Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host Zoe Blasky. I am so excited about this one. It is with Henrietta Norton, who is a nutritional therapist, which she's been practicing for over 10 years, and she specializes in women and children's nutrition. ES Magazine have said that Henrietta is a top 10 therapist to have on your speed dial, and she has founded an amazing supplement company called Wild Nutrition, and I use their supplements all through my pregnancy, and I still use them today. And as you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, I am pretty obsessed with how what we put in our mouths can affect how we think, how we feel, how we parent even. So to be able to chat to such an incredible expert, Henrietta's knowledge is deeper and vaster than anyone else I've chatted to on this subject. So to be able to chat to her about what is one of my greatest passions was just a dream come true. And we talk about so many things. We talk about her journey into being a nutritional therapist and what led her there. I was fascinated by the body. I've always been fascinated by the body. I was actually going to do medicine at university. And so the combination just made me think, I've got to, I've got to try and understand this more. And so I went on to study it, but really to kind of get that deeper level of understanding of my own body and without kind of a set plan of what I was going to do with it. We chat about supplements, which I don't know about you, but I find it fascinating. The world of supplements and understanding a bit more around how do we know what we need? How do we know if we are taking a supplement that they're doing what we need it to? So we get into that. And again, her knowledge and her scientific knowledge of that is outstanding. So I hope you find that interesting and geek out with us. We talk about energy. We talk about motherhood. Henrietta has three children as well as running her two businesses. So she's a great person for us to understand how she finds that balance in her life. And we talk about that quite a lot. I've had many moments of being absolutely on my knees with it, with being a mother and also being the needs of the business because it's like a fourth child to me, it's so important. And we chat about food in general and how we can start to honour our bodies more with what we're eating and also what we can do when we feel really busy and stressed and how that links to what we want to put in our mouths. I love this episode. I hope you love it too. If you did, please let us know. Also, Henrietta has very kindly given us some of her wild nutrition products to give away. So have a look on Instagram or Facebook to be in a chance with winning those. They are absolutely fantastic. And also Henrietta has given us a great resource around stress and she's provided me with a really in-depth PDF. It's almost like an ebook, which is normally just reserved for her clients. So if you go on to the website motherkind.co you can download that totally for free no obligation at all and have a look at that as some extra extra knowledge that Henrietta's gifted us with so I hope you enjoy this episode and here it is so Henrietta welcome to the Motherkind podcast thank you so much for being here Thank you very much for having me, Zoe. It's such a pleasure. Oh, and this is really exciting for me because this is the first podcast I've actually recorded over Skype. So we're looking at each other and we can see each other, but we are sat in our respective homes. <laughs> sat comfortably in our respective homes. But we, can, we were just saying, weren't we, that how difficult it is when you're not 
seeing one another because communication is so much more than just hearing a voice. It's actually about kind of getting the sense of the person that you're speaking to as well. So it's great doing it this way. Yeah, exactly. So listeners, if you notice a difference or, you know, you you think it sounds great or you prefer it face to face, let me know because I'd like to do more and more by Skype because, of course, it means not having to ask people to track (laughs) and me to track (laughs) all over the country to do this. So, yeah, so let me know. So the first thing, Henrietta, I wanted to say is just a massive thank you because I took your Wild Nutrition, which is your company, I took your pregnancy supplement throughout my pregnancy and I think it had a massive factor as to how great I felt through the whole thing. So thank thank you for formulating it. Oh, it's a pleasure. It was really wonderful to have that feedback because when I formulate any product, it's not just about the sort of A to Z of vitamins and minerals or the ingredients per se that go in, but actually it's about supporting the person as a whole. So to hear that, you know, you felt really good on it is just a joy to hear. I did. I really did. And that's where I'd like to start, actually, is just chatting a bit and so that people can get to know you of of wild nutrition and your journey. Because your journey started when you went to see a nutritional therapist. Is that right? Yes, it did. It did. I mean, funny enough, actually, I was thinking about this quite recently because I think in many ways it started a long time before that. I mean, I can remember being, you know, a young child, actually, and experiencing what felt like unusual fatigue and having problems digestively as well. So, I mean, you know, gosh, as young as 11, I would say. I remember it being something that I was conscious of at that young age. And then I I went through a period of going to the doctor about it with my mother and being told that it was various different things of, you know, chronic fatigue or post-viral syndrome or IBS and given various kind of prescriptions and advice, which is just sort of, you have to get better sleep and you have to um, just get on with it. And then I think when it was when I went through university and actually I'd come through university and I was working and actually trying to combine my kind of energy provision with also working was what drew me to my end and uh, drew me to my knees rather. And I went to see a nutritionist. My stepmother recommended me going to see a nutritionist, which at the time was really quite an unusual move mm. because nutritionists were still very alternative I hadn't considered it at all. Nutrition had been a part on my radar for a long time because I was always the kid with the sesame snack rather than the wagon wheel at break time. My mum with the dried banana or whatever it was. Mum was always salad is good for you and we would eat relatively well. And it was brown rice rather than white rice. So it had been on my radar. And then when I saw the nutritionist, it was life-changing, actually. There is, it sounds very dramatic, but it really was for me because it was that light bulb moment of I'm so interested in this. It made such a difference to me with some really, really simple changes. And I was fascinated by the body. I've always been fascinated by the body. I was actually going to do medicine at university. And so the combination just made me think I've got to, I've got to try and understand this more. And so I went on to study it, but really to kind of get that deeper level of understanding of my own body and without kind of a set plan of what I was going to do with it. That was back in the sort of early 2000s. And then I was actually also during that time experiencing really strong problems with my menstrual cycle. 
And that hadn't really been addressed by the nutritionist that I'd gone to see. And when I was studying nutrition, I was learning about these different conditions, one of which was endometriosis. And as we were learning about it, I was ticking every box and thinking, crikey, this is what I'm experiencing too. And it made me explore it. It made me go to the doctor and ask for various tests. And a long story short, I was diagnosed with, with endometriosis and given a really poor prognosis, actually, given told that I was unlikely to be able to conceive that it was really quite moderate to severe endometriosis. And there was very little that I could do except to go on these very strong medications. And I was, I think, a, a kind of combination between the understanding of the body that I'd had and the power of nutrition that I'd already experienced and also a, a kind of grit determination in my personality just made me think I'm determined for this not to be the case and set about kind of really researching hormones and the endocrinology side of our system and managed to turn the prognosis around. So that's why I feel incredibly passionate about, you know, working with women and you know, many of the women that I see in clinic have been almost the doors of being closed on them actually with a lot of the conditions they're experiencing and they've fallen through the net and I feel very passionate about helping them or working with them supporting them because I was one of those women too. So how did you do that turnaround was it just what you were eating or did you look at what you were thinking or other lifestyle elements can you just because there might be people listening in that exact situation who'll be wanting to know some of the things that you did. My whole um, ethos to nutrition, I always think I find the kind of term nutritional therapy is sometimes quite reductionist because actually when you're looking at what people are eating and you're looking at nutrition, you're looking really to support the body's healing. You need to be looking at all of the facets of our of our being. And so for me, actually, interestingly, there were two main things that really changed my existence or my experience of of endometriosis. And that was lifestyle change so learning how to be more gentle actually was you know a huge one for me and that takes different paths to different people gentle with yourself yes and I think that that was from gentleness and thinking so when I needed to rest to rest Mm. and from that place of gentleness I think you can hear your voice much clearer So I was much more able to listen intuitively to myself and my health needs. So I think that was an enormous one because there from that also comes your ability to listen to how you should eat. Because actually eating is such an intuitive thing. It's a very simple intuitive mechanism that we have relationship that we have between food and the human body. And we put a lot of emphasis on we can cloud that that voice, we can cloud that connection very, very easily. So for me, that was yoga as well. It was finding yoga provided the space. It also provided the physical space to allow whatever I was holding on to to kind of be released as well. But also from a nutrition and nuts and bolts point of view, I found that by reducing the amount of gluten that I had in my diet really, really helped me. And I use this method with my clients as well. It's looking at not what you're doing necessarily but what you're not doing so for me what I was doing is I was living on a diet that was very very high in gluten containing products that wasn't necessarily the issue per se but more that 
I wasn't getting in other components that would help my body to respond to that appropriately as well. So I wasn't having enough variety in the, the vegetables that I was eating. I wasn't getting enough color. I wasn't getting enough variety. And once I found something that worked for me, I think I started to become very fixed in that as well, which I think is very common when you come from a place of fear about your body, if it's been imbalanced, is that you find something that works and you really rigidly hold on to it. But actually, health is about an ebb and flow, isn't it? And so I see this in clinic as well. If somebody comes to me and they, on paper, are having what looks like a really good diet, but they're eating the same things every day. It's about actually building in variety and building in what are you not doing? You're not having enough color. For me as well, it was about making sure that my diet was very rich in fats as well. I was kind of, I think, in the, the hangover of the low-fat era. So it was very much kind of at university. It was the low-fat yogurts and diet coats and hideous things like that. <laughs> but we are all individual. And I think that's a really key thing as well, is that knowing that there are guidelines that we can give to women that are experiencing conditions that are very similar to us, you know, for example, other women that experience endometriosis, but everybody is different. And I think it's, again, as I said, right at the beginning, it's about listening to your own voice with that as well and trusting that. I think that's so important. And I love what you're talking about. I'm just learning to quiet that mind a bit and just listen to that still small voice. That's often the quietest amongst the noise, isn't it? But often that tells the truth what's interesting for me is I used to think that that voice would tell me exactly what to do you know like quite specifically and that hasn't been my experience it's more that when I quiet and I get the guidance that would help me on the next stage of that healing so you know I might then read something about you know the work that someone like you does or and then I might think oh maybe that could help me and then suddenly I'm on this path of healing that that's quite a common misconception that this quiet voice told you to cut out gluten which I'm sure it didn't but it's it's like it's like that you know taking guidance from around us and I notice things that I wouldn't notice when I'm quieter inside exactly that gentle voice isn't prescriptive and it can be a feeling can't it it's just a very intuitive you just feel intuitively I think I should be saying no to some bread today or whatever it might be, which sounds very woolly, but my gosh, it's so often right. And I think can start as quite a quiet voice, but it gets stronger and it remains gentle. It remains loving, but becomes once you become engaged with it, actually, it's very difficult not to listen to it. Yeah, that's my experience as well. And my experience is that when I don't listen to it, things on the outside get more and more sort of crazy to the point where I have to yeah um, either physically or mentally or in my environment whatever's going on yeah absolutely and I think certainly in my work as a nutritional therapist I, I do really very strongly feel that my kind of presence in the room when I'm with a client is to empower and to facilitate not to instruct and prescribe it's actually about helping people to listen to their own body because we have got this innate wisdom in us all and quite often all that's happened is that's been clouded by various different things I mean you know it can be lack of rest it can be a diet that has been high in sugar salt caffeine whatever that takes us away from that kind of listening to that voice certainly if that's the case if I've got a um, someone that I'm working with then it's more about the fact that their diet is quite loaded with stimulants. Mm. 
But the answer isn't actually to remove all those stimulants. The answer is actually to look at, okay, so why are those stimulants in there in the first place? Because it's a little bit, in some ways, it's a little bit like taking medication away from somebody who's ill. You know, those things have served a purpose. It could be that it's helping them to get through the day because they're not sleeping or resting well. So I feel that my role with them is to help them understand why it's really important, actually, for them to honor their need to have eight, nine hours sleep a night and proper sleep and not, you know, not be looking at the iPad just before you go to sleep. Because that in itself will help you to reduce naturally by default your reliance on stimulants and sugar for example. And then when we start to take those things out of our diet, then the cloudiness reduces and we become more clear in our function, in our physiological and biochemical function, but also in how we think as well. I'm getting really fascinated about this at the moment. I've read a few really good books on sleep. But what I'm really interested in is how we as mums, because a lot of these books will talk about the need, as you're saying, for like, you know, eight hours and unbroken and undisturbed that just doesn't apply to mums generally you've got three children haven't you I have but maybe it would be really interesting to chat about with you know your mum hat plus your nutritional therapist nutritional expert and well-being expertise as well how have you personally managed those two so talk about sleep to start with and then maybe we'll take it broader because my experience is my sleep's just become unbelievably broken. I mean, obviously, I have a two-year-old. How did you it's manage that? Sleep, the nemesis of any of any mother. You know, I, what I have learned about myself as a mum is that if there's one thing that I need more over and above anything else, it's sleep. It's rest. Yeah. Okay, so it might not necessarily be sleep, but it's rest. And and then, I, and, you know, as I say, that can take many different paths. That can be kind of lying on the sofa with your legs up. It can be sometimes, you know, my children are a little bit older now. So I've realized that actually there is no harm. I've got Alfie and Ned, who are my elder two, and I was so consciously parenting them that I would put this kind of book, this sort of perfect parent book that I'd obviously read at some point in my life or thought that I should be, I put that over and above actually my needs. And sometimes it's a bit about saying, guys, do you know what? Go and flip the television on. I'm exhausted. I need some space. Um, I'm going to go and lie up in my bed for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Give me a call if you need me. And I think I've only really realized that with how important that is. And to give yourself, again, it's that gentleness, it's being gentle with yourself and not having expectations that are untenable, actually. You know, I think sometimes we put a huge amount of pressure on ourselves as mums. What I've learned is that that's really important and that has to be prioritized because if I don't prioritize that, then actually my access to food that will nourish me and my ability to be able to engage in things that nourish me can be compromised because then I start reaching for things or doing things that I know aren't necessarily you know going to nourish me and the other thing that I would say is that you know stress gets a huge amount of rap these days I mean it's seen as the kind of the biggest threat in fact I, I did a talk recently and I'm giving one in a few weeks about stress as the biggest threat to our health and it is but it is a threat but I think it's not stress per se it's actually about the fact that we're not resting 
as physical beings, we are incredibly adaptable, actually. You know, we have this incredibly intelligent, complex, but very simplistic system in our body that controls our ability to be able to adapt to our environment and to adapt to anything that is threatening on a physiological, biochemical, psychological level. In fact, it can be kind of defined as the acronym that I use is NUT. So anything that's novel, unpredictable, threatening to our survival. And I can't remember remember what the S is. But it's anything, you know, but what that does is that says that you know, we can be stressed on a daily basis by a snotty email. We can be stressed from lack of sleep. We can be stressed from a nutritional deficiency. We can be stressed from, you know, our kids crying a lot that particular day or whatever it might be. But our body can adapt to those things. You know, in the short term, our body is incredibly resilient and adaptable. The problem comes when we don't rest in between those. So if we have a day that our child is particularly demanding and we're feeling quite exhausted. We roll into the next day on exactly the same footing. What I have found for me is that it's those pockets in between that actually are so very important. And it's not a two-week holiday once a year. For me, self-care is not about taking large amounts of time out for meditation. I simply can't implement that into my life. But what I can do is I can do small things throughout the day that really helped me to remain present in my day and in my life. And that by nature builds in little pockets of rest and time because we need those for everything to settle, for everything to be processed really. And the issue is when we don't allow that. And we live in such a stimulating environment that takes us away from those opportunities. Yeah, and one of my favourite self-care writers called Susie Redding has written a book about it and she talks about micro moments. And I love that because I think that's what you're talking about is, you know, not sitting and meditating for 20 minutes, which for most of us is totally unobtainable, but grabbing those those little moments. So what do you do in those moments? Will you normally rest or will you move your body or what does it look like? There again, it's incredibly fluid. So it's whatever feels right at the time. And one thing actually that I really love doing is I really love slicing avocado because it sounds very strange. But if you've actually ever done it, it's amazingly calming because of the texture of an avocado. If you really engage in the slicing of the avocado, it actually really, I find it very grounding. And another thing actually that I've just posted actually on our Instagram feed is another thing that I love to do which the boys are deeply embarrassed about but I will just take my shoes off my shoes and my socks off and I will go and stand out in the garden Mm -hmm. so I do little things like that to ground myself actually and just to reconnect we have a dog and so even if it's five minutes in the rain I will go out and take the dog out because one thing that never ever fails to make me feel more grounded and more settled in myself and more connected to that voice of gentleness is nature. I mean, I could, we could do a whole podcast probably yeah. on the power of trees and nature, but that never fails me. And actually, I was funny enough, I was reading a, a piece of research recently that showed that the perception of stress is greater in those that live in urban environments that are not around greenery than those who live in rural environments. And that really shows how what a strong impact even just the presence of nature has, visually seeing nature, has on our, our perception of the situation as well, whether we perceive that situation to be stressful or not. I totally agree. And I'm so lucky because I do live in London, but at the end of my road is Clapham Common. 
So that's really yeah, saved me so many times. Just and there are amazing huge trees there. And my podcast yes. always seem to go back to tree hugging, but I always just stand under a tree and there's something about it. Someone said to me once the quickest way to shortcut your crazy thinking mind is to look at something not man-made. Yes. So flowers and plants do that for me in, in my house as well. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I think you just have to think about the kind of very structure of a tree as well and the roots and the depth of those roots and how grounding that is. And it's the same with vegetables as well, actually, the root vegetables, because their roots go deeper into the ground. They're more rich in minerals and trace minerals. And they are actually more of a naturopathic angle, but they are actually more grounding as a vegetable. Because, of course, nutrition is not just about the A to Z of nutrients it's also about the resonance that they provide as well the energy that they provide in a more kind of existential kind of intangible way as well but I I love this because this is actually what stopped me eating meat and fish because I'd been sort of on and off on and off and I was reading something and I have a really strong wiring towards fear like my mind is incredibly fearful And I read something that said, you know, just before that animal dies, however it's killed, however humanely, its body is flooded with cortisol and fear. And Mm. I suddenly realised that I was ingesting that. It does sound a bit wee-woo, and a lot of people that I was talking to were like, bloody hell, though, you've gone wee-wee. But that's how (laughs) I felt about it, was that actually I'm a fearful enough being. I don't need to be eating food that I felt was infused with that energy absolutely absolutely and I think the thing is you know we are as human beings we are I think we've already slightly touched on it but we are a dynamic being there are so many different facets we are you know a a kind of physical being spiritual being we are so many things and our relationship with food is incredibly primal and nourishment from food is not only physical it has to be all of the other elements as well which is why you know I think there's a very strong argument for growing your own food and for that to be organic where possible the studies they're still on the fence between the difference in the nutrient value between organic and non-organic in some cases but actually for me the, the interest is less about necessarily the nutrient the quantifiable nutrient difference but actually also the energy the resonance of that plant as well is very different there's a brilliant book called the yoga of eating by charles einstein no, heard no, of that? No. but he talks very very similarly as you have about meat and the energy that kind of comes through meat as well. So yeah, it wasn't it that book. It, it was a book. I can't remember the name of it. I read. So, I read okay. so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I just want to move the conversation on slight because I really want to get into talking about world nutrition, talking about your business, mm-hmm. and talking about how you manage, juggle, survive, (laughs) (laughs) having, you know, incredibly thriving personal practice, business, three children, family life. So maybe let's start talking about wild nutrition, how that came about from where you were training and, and then becoming a nutritional therapist into the sort of commercial business side. So when I was kind of then fully fledged as a nutritionist, I started working in clinic and I had much of my training at the college that I've been at. And I actually went to two colleges, but much of the training that I'd had in those two colleges was very supplement led. And we had the training by the kind of people who the manufacturers of the supplement companies as well. 
So when I hit clinic, it was a huge shock to realize that these people that I was seeing were real people and not kind of case studies. And I had one client in particular who was experiencing chronic fatigue syndrome. And we had been working on her diet and she'd been making huge, huge steps. And it was really exciting and she was feeling really better. And then I introduced a synthetic B vitamin complex into her program and it all went to pot. She felt absolutely dreadful. She went very high in anxiety. Her sleep was poor. She was wired. And now, you know, now I understand why that would be, but it was affecting her adrenal glucocorticoid release. So it was affecting her release of cortisol and adrenaline in a negative way. So most nutrients work by a kind of U-shaped curve, which basically means that too little or too much of one can be detrimental to health. And I realize now that because of her genetic individuality, she was incredibly sensitive to things. So we need to make very, very small changes and she respond very acutely. So that started to get me thinking, but I didn't do anything with that really. I mean, I'm I, sorry, I did a lot with the client, but it just sowed a seed and it was just left in my mind. And then a few years later, I became head of nutrition at a supplement company that included research and development for their products and formulating their products. And then I really understood what was going into these products. And I really understood the seismic difference between a vitamin that has been industrially made and that that is found in food. They're completely and utterly different. Can you break that down? Because I think a lot of people, I didn't understand this until I was in Space NK and the lady explained it and I bought your, oh. this was, you know, when I was pregnant, but I didn't understand the difference between synthetic and food state. Yes. And I think, okay. so can you explain that to people so that they get a grasp of what it is that you're talking about? Yes, I know it's a difficult one to kind of grasp. But so if you think about any vitamin and mineral, so I'm going to use the example of vitamin C. So if vitamin C is found in an orange or in a pepper, you find it as a complex. So you find it as a, the best way to think of it is as a patchwork quilt. So you have the vitamin C is a cluster of all these different fractions, all these different patches that are inextricably linked. So they are metabolically bound with each other. And those are a mix of ascorbates, but they're a mix of bioflavonoids, rutin, different elements, many of which we don't really understand or know of yet. But the importance of them all is that they work in synergy together. But what science has done since the 1930s, really, is that they have focused on one of those patches. So, for example, with vitamin C, it would be ascorbic acid. So they take that center patch and say, well, that's the one that has the most effect, that's the most dominant patch in that quilt. And so, therefore, that's the part that is bringing the benefit. So if we just take all of those patches out and we concentrate them and we remake them, and they do that in the industry with sorbitol and cornstarch in the case of vitamin C, then they remake it and, and it's synthesized in a lab and it's called vitamin C. But actually all it is is it's ascorbic acid. So it's very, very different to nutrients in food. You find that whole patch. And the way that we produce the nutrients is that we replicate the process that happens in nature. So we replicate the root system and we use a plant to grow the nutrient in. And therefore you get that entire patch. So what we're now understanding 
it's interesting, actually. I think with nutrition, the research in nutrition in general is that what we're seeing, the, the studies that are coming out with all these kind of fascinating results are actually only proving what traditionally we've known for so long you know in in sort of uh, traditional medicine these messages have been there for so long you know it's why midwives were trained herbalists because they knew the power of plants during childbirth and so anyway i'm slightly digressing so i started to understand what was going into these products and the seismic difference between that and what was being found in food and knowing our human biochemistry in the way that I did and thinking, well, we are so primarily wired to receive our nutrition in food. To me, it makes no sense to give a body that's requiring healing something, a kind of chemical that the body doesn't recognize and has to work very hard to utilize. And then it made me realize about the client that I was seeing, you know, all those years ago and tying the two together. So I felt very disillusioned and I felt very disheartened with the supplement industry. Was that most of the supplements, like the big brands that we would hear about? Are most of those synthetic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's the price difference as well. That's what I noticed. Like the price differential is now very obvious to me now that I've learned more about this. You know, why something like yours is sometimes 10 times more expensive because you're actually getting the, the food state as our body needs it and understands it as opposed to a totally synthetic version you are yeah absolutely and it's about quality rather than quantity and I think that's actually a great motto for everything in life it's you know you what you're getting is you're actually getting more bang for buck if Mm. you like with a more expensive better absorbed I mean there have been over 50 different some of which are published and most all of which are independent studies showing that if you are taking nutrients in a food growing form so you're getting them in that kind of that's that whole patch that you are actually absorbing up to kind of 92% of what is in that product as you would in foods. But if you take it in a synthetic form, you might only be getting 8%. So actually, even though you're often needing only lower doses of the food grown form, because you're absorbing it so much better and the body isn't having to, there's a wonderful biochemist who's done quite a lot of research on this. And she says that actually your body's having to steal a lot of its nutrient or cofactor reserves in the body in order to be able to kind of almost recreate the structure that the body is used to finding that ascorbic acid so actually it comes at a cost to the body quite often particularly if we're taking very high dose synthetic nutrients so you know i just felt very passionately a little bit like i did with my prognosis for endometriosis very passionately that there had to be something different and i think because there's lack of awareness out there that these products are made like they are. I wanted to do my bit to support the awareness and, you know, to provide products that I could take for my family, but also that I could use in a clinical setting as well. And I came across a process that's only produced in America. They've been going since the 70s, very much under the radar, but it's the most amazing, incredible process. And I feel even more passionately about it now than I even did when I first discovered it because I see the results and I hear, you know, wonderful feedback and it's really amazing stuff. So if someone is listening and, you know, I remember being so shocked when I learned this about the synthetic and the food state and if, how do we know what supplements to take? <laughs> about what sort of supplements yeah, to take? Yeah, no, or- yeah. So, you know, like I was looking at your website yesterday there's a lot of products on there. 
Do we need to see like a nutritionist first or should we start with like you've got a really general, I can't remember what it's called, uh, like a general, general living. That's it, general living. Would we start there? Because I get, I get asked this quite a bit, you know, mums, especially fatigue, low energy, maybe yes. postpartum. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are some, I think about that Mark Twain quote that says, never, <laughs> never trust written down advice because you might die of a misprint. <laughs> um, and I, that always makes me laugh because it's like, you know, I think general advice is there are some things that can be really helpful for most people. Yeah. You know, we are all individual. And so it's a good idea to go and see somebody who's got some kind of background in nutrition and a qualified nutritional therapist or naturopath can be really, really helpful. There are some things that work across the board for most people, and that is particularly for energy and fatigue is the B vitamin group. So they work incredibly well as a complex. So I'm going to recommend a B vitamin complex. But one of the things that actually I've done in our B vitamin complex formulation is to combine it with calcium and magnesium as well, which are fantastic minerals for supporting the nervous system. So with every formulation that I put together, it's actually looking at not just replacing the nutrients that are being used by high demand in the body, but actually looking at supporting the root cause of that as well. So the B vitamin complex is a really good example of that. You know, our body requires B vitamins at a much greater rate when we are fatigued and have got a diet that's maybe got regular use of caffeine or alcohol in it, which we tend to gravitate towards when, you know, many people gravitate towards when they're in a state of stress or fatigue. It helps to balance our blood sugar levels and they help to help our body to generate energy. But it's also looking at helping you to ground in those circumstances as well. So when I'm looking at a formulation, I'm always looking at if that person is in a stressed or fatigued state, what is going on for them? They're going to need some more rooting in their general existence normally. And so that's why I introduced something called ashwagandha which is a fantastic herb. We use the root, ashwagandha root, and it's been shown not only to kind of reduce cortisol levels, but it's also been shown as a kind of systemic adaptogenic. So it helps your body, just as I was saying earlier, to just more gently adapt to the environment around you as well. So it's not just replacing the nutrients that are being lost through stress, but actually helping your body to be more resilient to it as well. That's fascinating. How do they find out that something like that works in that way? Is it clinical trials? Well, you see, this is the thing. This is the amazing thing about about medicine and the sort of irony of it is that, you know, these things have been used in Ayurvedic medicine for, it's known as a Rasayana herb, which is a balancer herb, um, a tonifier. I've heard of that one, yeah. Centuries, absolutely, you know, centuries, but through kind of, tribal communities and now we're kind of bringing it into modern science as this sort of wow there's this great plant we've discovered and look we've done loads of tests on it and we can now guarantee that it is actually good for you so you know a lot of these things are actually proved and even actually I think another area that's very interesting is the area of epigenetics so you know we're now realizing that there are some people that can process certain nutrient forms and some people that can't which is possibly why We're not meant to be receiving nutrients in an isolated synthetic form, which is why some people react badly to them. We're meant to be receiving them in a food form so that our body can use it as it feels fit. 
But also magnesium is one of those ones that, I mean, 70% of Western women are estimated to be deficient in magnesium. And it's really, really important. And it's known as nature's tranquilizer. It supports blood sugar balance, so energy levels. But also it's fantastic for initiating restorative sleep. So again, about that quality rather than quantity, going back to your question about sleep, if all you can get is five hours in a night, make sure that's deeply restorative. And so getting a good quality of sleep can be really helped by magnesium. That's just so fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I could chat about this all day long. (laughs) I'm just so fascinated by it. Before we finish, I do just want to, mainly for my own interest, learn a bit about how you juggle and how you manage everything that you do and what some of the practices are. We talked about those micro moments, but I wonder if there's anything else that you could share particularly around whether you've ever experienced any guilt of being a busy working mum of three and and how you've overcome that and that journey because that's something that my audience like to know about with people I chat to absolutely well my role as a businesswoman as you like from starting world nutrition completely tracked my role as a mother because I just had Alfie I was writing my first book on endometriosis and becoming more aware of you know wanting to do something different really that was that part of me was born actually from having Alfie how old is he now wonderful saying he's 10 okay nearly 11 so that, that beautiful phase got me with the mother because when you give birth to your child you give birth to you as well and that's so true with every child subsequent child you birth a new part of yourself so it's tracked it and it's been through blood literally sweat tears snot it's not been a pretty journey it's still not a pretty journey and I think we I want to talk very honestly about that because I think it's important and it's easy to see the growth of the business and the success of the business. But I've had many moments of being absolutely on my knees with it, with being a mother and also being the needs of the business because it's like a fourth child to me. It's so important. And I think how have I managed it is through that gentleness. It's that gentle voice and it's okay to feel snotty. It's okay to ease up actually on yourself, on your children. I think one thing I became very aware of about a year ago, year and a half ago, was that I was giving my best self to my work. You know, I was working hard and I was coming back and I was completely spent. And I just thought, this is the wrong way around. Rather, it's not the wrong way around, but it's not in balance. And so I think it's always in progress. It's always in progress. I have more times now in balance than I don't. But I think that's, again, going back to the adaptability of us, to expect ourselves to always remain in balance is unnatural. It's not unnatural to think that, but actually it's unnatural for us to be constantly in balance, actually, because our body, even physiologically, biochemically, is constantly adapting. It's constantly changing different releases of different hormones at different times. We're constantly adapting. And I think it's learning to live with that ebb and flow. And I think that's where I've got to is being more comfortable in the ebb and flow of it all, actually. And to cover off your point about guilt, you know, (laughs) 100 percent, you know, brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it, actually. And I think I've been really questioning myself about that because I think the guilt comes not necessarily from not being with my children. I spend a lot of time with my children or not being present enough at work. It's actually about how wholehearted, how present I am in those times. Do you know what I mean? It's about, 
I spend a lot of time with my children. I spend a lot of time in the office working, but how much time I spend centered and grounded and wholeheartedly present, I realized was not enough. And so I think that's where the guilt comes from. Actually, if anything, it comes from not looking after myself. What would you do differently Sorry. today if you were going to um, start? What again? would I do differently today? I wouldn't do anything differently today because I think I am in that place where I am ebbing and flowing and I'm comfortable with that. I'm not a huge believer in regret, but I wish I'd listened to that voice of calm a little bit earlier on, that voice of gentleness that said, it's okay, maybe go into work half an hour late this morning. You know, I have, I have a, a son that's um, actually autistic. And when I drop him off at school, he has anxiety about being going to school. And, you know, for many years, I would do that quite difficult drop off and then go straight into work. And actually, what I needed was that rest period. You know, it was that time, that gentleness, that time to just sit, whatever it was, take my shoes off and walk on the ground. I do that now, but I didn't do that then. We're learning all the time. We're learning about ourselves and how to navigate all the time. We're human experiments. And I think I'm there now until I'm not. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we have some days we have it and some days we don't. But I have it more now than I ever have. Mm. So mm, I totally agree. And it leads me really nicely into my final question, which is if you could gift all the mums in the whole world one thing, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh, that's it's a big question. It's a brilliant question <laughs> and a huge question. And so hard to, to say one thing. And I instinctively I want to say trust. But trust can be quite abstract for people, I think, as a word. You know, I think sometimes it can trust yourself, trust your instinct. It can still seem quite abstract and unachievable. So I think I would just go back to that word that keeps them coming up for me, which is gentleness. You know, go gently on yourself. And also somebody said to me, which I think is really true, is don't do anything today that you wouldn't do tomorrow. So, you know, don't burn the candle at both ends today if you're thinking about resting tomorrow basically try and always live the day in balance as much as possible so if you've got a morning of a lot of meetings you know make sure that you are taking a little bit more time to get back home by walking through a park or whatever it might be mm. but yeah I think that gentleness I think gentleness and yeah mother ourselves you know I think that's the thing to be a really grounded mother we need to mother ourselves mm, totally I mean I always say that people think I'm bonkers but I say I've got two kids you know one of them is myself you know that little yes, absolutely <laughs> one is my daughter absolutely. because I feel like yeah I mother myself and then I mother her yeah yeah absolutely and, and almost you know that thing of being on an airplane put the oxygen mask on you first rather than on your child first because we have to be in that place to be able to give the best to our children yeah what a lovely start to my week this chat I'm going to float off into my day (laughs) (laughs) and then in an hour when my head's gone haywire I'm going to remember that gentleness and come back to it so thank you so much oh Zoe it's been an absolute pleasure I've yapped on quite a lot so I'm sorry no it's been beautiful thank you I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please check out my Instagram where we continue the conversation and I post daily about all things motherhood and well-being. Also, if you haven't already, have a look at my website because I've been writing more and more blogs and I'm also putting on there all the events and talks that I'm giving 
And of course, if you haven't, then please do have a listen to some of the other episodes because I'm chatting to some really incredible women that I'd love you to enjoy. And if you did enjoy it, then please, please leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm.